through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. We are gathered here to pray together, to intercede. And we know that we have an advocate with the Father who is interceding, ever interceding on our behalf. And it is because he has redeemed us that we can come boldly to the throne and join with him in the intercession. Let's pray before I begin. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus, we come to you, also your beloved adopted children. Thank you for looking down on us when we were helpless and lost and saying to each of us, live, and sending your Son to redeem us. Now as we spend some time in your word, help us to know you more. Open our hearts to how you want to invite us closer to you through joining you in intercession. Uh, May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I wanted to, to start our time together by looking at a beautiful story in the Bible, a beautiful statement of faith in, in the face of no reason for faith except the word of God, the character of God, the presence of God. I'm reading in John chapter 11 beginning verse 1, and this is the New International Version. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus Lord, the one you love is sick. This is a beautiful principle of intercession. The people that God puts on our heart to intercede for may not be able physically or spiritually to make the request themselves. Lazarus isn't the one who sends the word for help. The sisters intercede. The sisters intercede, and and it's interesting to me how they did it, and I I picture how I intercede for those that I love. We can go for everyone who is on our hearts, and we can say, Lord, the one you love is sick. The ones that we intercede for are the ones Jesus loves. We can come to him with those very words. We're going to put in our hearts a picture of the ones we want to intercede for, and we're going to begin our request with, Lord, the one you love is sick. Continuing in verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. When we go to God... With those heavy on our hearts, 
we can trust God to glorify himself in their sickness. We can trust that, that they don't have to get cleaned up, they don't have to get presentable before God can glorify himself. Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Many of us have been praying prayers of intercession from heavy hearts for a number of years. Jesus loves us. Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved her sister, and he loved the one they were praying for, and he stayed where he was two more days. The delay that we may see in what we are praying for does not mean a lack of being heard or a lack of love from our Savior. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. In the situations that we pray for, even if we don't yet see Jesus moving, he knows exactly what is going on every second with the ones that we are interceding for. And he is going to take action. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So when he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And when I read that, I thought that that is actually a a neat commitment on, you know, Thomas's part. He's willing to go and die with Jesus. He he thinks Jesus is walking into a, you know, a trap where they're ready to stone him. And yet Thomas, doubting Thomas, which some of us know what it feels like to be a doubting Thomas, but yet Thomas is committed, and he's saying, well, let's go to, we'll die with him there. Uh, Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. I want to pause in the story here, and I want each of us to pray silently as we sit here in this holy place together. I want us to, to come to our Heavenly Father 
with the words that the sisters sent on behalf of their brother. We do not know how to pray as we should, but the Holy Spirit takes the groanings of our heart and brings them to the throne of love. So we don't have to come up with any fancy phrases, but let's sit in the presence of God and let's bring the names of those for whom we intercede and say, Lord, these ones that you love are sick. They need you, Lord. We bring them to you now. Let's pray silently. Dear God, you know the, the names that we have on our heart. You know that we could sit here in your presence and, and repeat them over and over. They mean so much to us. We love them so much. You know that, that many of us have long lists. Maybe we haven't even, in the time we just, that just passed, hadn't even gotten through all the lists, but you know who they are. And we want to present those names to you and we want to trust you. Help us to see in this story the faith that you want us to have in your love and in your goodness and in your ability to restore. Amen. Continuing in the story. Actually, I'm going to pick it back up um, in verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming... She went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you just hear that heart cry? Lord, if you had just shown up, my brother would not have died. My brother would not have died. In the past year or so, I've been doing some reading online on a topic that is very interesting to me. I'm by, by no means an expert, but I found it very fascinating, and I, when I have time here and there, I, I go and read a little bit more and, and a little bit more. And it is the topic of our words and what our words, our choice of words, can reveal uh, about what's really in our heart. And one of the words that is a very key word is the word but, but. 
And some say that the word but can stand for behold ultimate truth. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what you say before. Once you use the word but, what follows is the bottom line. And so that's why in uh, the peacemaker principles, for example, they tell you to apologize without using the word but. You don't want to say, I'm really sorry I was late, but you, da-da-da-da-da, or but. Now, in giving a reason, uh, that's one thing. But the word but diminishes an apology many times. So that just that word but means that whatever follows, what came before, is secondary to what is going to come after. So with this in mind, let's read what Martha says to Jesus. Again, chapter Uh, John chapter 11, verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Isn't that a beautiful statement of faith from Martha? My brother wouldn't have died if you had been here, but even now... I know God will give you whatever you ask. When we take our most impossible requests to God, the the, the things that look dead, the things that look buried, they can look dead and buried for years, but even now we serve a God who breathes life into dry bones. We serve a God who parts the Red Sea. We serve a God who can make a riverbed dry. We serve a God who moves mountains. It does not matter how impossible the situations are we bring to him. We go to him and we say, Lord, but even now I trust you. I know that you are good and I know that your ways are perfect. So now we're going to go back to God in prayer with that promise in our hearts. We're going to lay before him the brokenness, the barrenness, the hopelessness. And we're going to say, but even now, Lord, you are the God who brings life where there is death. You are the God who restores and heals, gives back the years the locusts have eaten. But even now, Lord, God will do whatever you ask. Let's pray silently in faith together.
Dear Lord, so many times like Martha and Mary, I'm asking for things that, that seem desperate and urgent and seem to have a time constraint attached to them. And when I don't see you move within the time frame and I see the situation pass into seeming death, seeming closure, I, I can think, like Martha said, oh, Lord, if you had stepped in, that wouldn't have gone down that way, you know? It would have, it would have ended differently, Lord. Help me never to forget the second part of Martha's statement. That no matter how hopeless, how finished, how dead things may look, even now, Lord, you are God. You are a good God. You see and your purposes are being carried out and I can trust you in every situation, no matter what it looks like to me. I want that faith, Lord. I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. Continuing on with the story. How long are we supposed to go here? Till two. Okay. I will stop a little before because I know you all want to, to get together and get, get yourself together and get on to the, the blessing of the two o'clock seminar. So you don't have to worry that I'll go right up to the dot of two. Continuing in verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. We claim the promises of God, but the promises of God are yea and amen because they are in Christ. Every promise of God in Christ is yea and amen. Don't let the promises or our experience or any other wonderful thing, no matter how great it is, replace the fact that it is in Christ that the answer is found. Martha said, well, I know he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Martha's looking to the event of the resurrection for the restoration of the relationship with her brother. Jesus said, I am that event. I am what will cause that event. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is come into the world. Many times in the Gospels, there are stories where Jesus uh, uses uh, phrases such as, be it done unto you according to your faith, or as you have believed, so shall it be done to you, phrases like that. Martha is saying here this beautiful statement. I believe that you are the Messiah. What is Messiah? It's 
Say, I'm sorry? Anointed one. What did the Messiah come to do? To save. Think of the names that were given to Messiah. He was the anointed one. He was Emmanuel, God with us. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Martha says, I know you are the anointed one, the son of God who has come into the world. He is the one who has come into our world. He's come into our existence, our problems. He is anointed by God to come and be with us in whatever we're going through, our Emmanuel, and he has come to save from our sins and to save those for whom we intercede. So now let's pray silently again for those that we are interceding and pray based on the names of Jesus. I know you are the anointed one. I know you are the Savior. I know you are the Son of God. I know you are with me in this prayer. Dear God, thank you that we can take courage through the names that you have called yourself and the meanings of those names. Help us to um, lay hold of that comfort. Help us to, to not just let your name come through our mind or off our lips in a prayer without thought as to what that name assures us about our prayers. Help us to, to say with Martha, I know you are the Messiah. Help us by faith to, to say, you are my Emmanuel. You are with me. Help us by faith to say, you are Jesus, the one who saves us from our sins, the Savior. Help me not to... to to move over your names with, with little thought or awareness as to why you have given us those names. May I take those names and may they go deep into my heart to give me comfort 
in my prayers and in the promises that I claim, because all the promises of God in Christ are yea and amen. Amen. Continuing with the story. Verse 28. After Martha had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. So that that shows Martha somehow had received word or had been watching. So Martha has gone out to meet him. Jesus is still out there. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, well, look at this, the same thing her sister said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. John doesn't record that Mary went on with the beautiful statement of faith that Martha followed that up with, but even now, that's all right. Jesus understands our grief, even when our words aren't always the declaration of faith that we want to live by. He understands grief. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Have you ever wondered why did Jesus weep, knowing what was just about to happen? Why did Jesus weep? What does that tell us? He knew that that minutes later... The miracle of all miracles was going to occur, and that their weeping was going to turn to joy. And, you know, sometimes when we see our, our children hurt, we'll run to them and we'll say, oh, that's okay, that's okay, I can fix it. Jesus has offered assurance by saying, I am the resurrection, but he is also right in their grief with them. The Bible tells us that we don't need to feel far off from Jesus, our advocate. We have one who is a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with our grief. When we go to him, we don't go to him in a distance. We go to him with him right in our grief with us. He's weeping with us. His heart is heavy, just like ours for those we love. Even though he knows the plans he has for them, He still understands our grief, and he joins us in our grief. And he's advocating to the Father as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Jesus wept, and then the Jews said, see how he loved him? It's another reason, perhaps, revealed there. Jesus wanted the people to know how very much he loved this family. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? He did so much for so many. Clearly he loves him. Couldn't he have, couldn't he have stepped in and prevented this disaster? We're so like that, all of us. 
We see things that go wrong. Couldn't Jesus have stopped that before it got that far? Couldn't he have, have reversed that tragedy? Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, ever practical Martha, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Can't you just, I mean, some of us here, we know even in our grief, those, those details come through. And here's logistical Martha coming in. Oh, Lord, he stinketh, says the King James Version. <laughs> Let's not forget the reality here, Lord. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Praise the Lord. In everything that we are praying about, we have an advocate with the Father. The Father hears him. You know, sometimes here on this earth when we, or not sometimes, usually almost all the time, when we fill out a job application, you give references. You know, give references. Sometimes even people will be hired because they've given as a reference someone that the hiring entity knows and trusts. We have a reference with the Father. We have Jesus standing before the Father with our requests, presenting them to the Father. Jesus says, I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. In all of the requests that we bring to God, it doesn't matter how dead the situation looks. In this situation, it was four days. Martha was afraid because he's already stinking. You know, the odor is already there, Lord. It's a bad, it's a bad situation, Lord. It's, it's irreversible. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. There have been people who have told me, Kelly, my mom prayed for me her entire life, and she died before I came back to the Lord. But I'll meet her in heaven. There's going to be a whole bunch of people in heaven who are thrilled to see that situations they thought were dead have been brought to life. And that will be us. When we pray the prayer of faith that says, Lord, if you had answered the prayers we had been praying all these years the situation wouldn't have deteriorated the way it has now. But even now, Lord, I know God hears you. And our God is a God who answers prayer. Let us pray one more time in faith to the one who restores life to dead situations. And it doesn't matter the timing. It doesn't matter how deteriorated it is. It doesn't matter how finished it looks to us. He is the life giver.
Dear God, everything that we see visibly around us right now, you made out of the invisible. The answers that we are longing for right now will not come out of things that we can see. They will come out of your invisible power. And we ask that you will look with favor and love on all those that we intercede for. We hold them before you. We thank you that you are with us in the heaviness of our hearts, that you are bearing our burdens for us, and that you are taking the names Jesus before your Father, advocating on our behalf. And as we bring this time of intercession to a close, I want to also, Lord, ask your blessing on all of the leaders here who have been serving you. I want us in these prayer moments to be like Aaron and her who came alongside Moses who was growing so physically tired in his service and they held up his arms. Use our prayers right now to hold up the arms of those who are serving you here this week. Bless them, bless their families, bless their service in your name. And Lord, I also intercede for those here who are in pain, who are sick, who have suffered great loss and are bearing the, the emptiness that comes from that separation. You have promised that you are very close to those whose hearts are broken. Please be the Prince of Peace to them. Use our prayers. We bring them to you for the healing of your presence, giving them comfort in these unimaginable times, comfort and warmth and rest in their pain. And I pray for you uh, to come close to those who have needs um, in, in any area, whether it's financial whether it's in finding your will in a decision that they're facing. Father, use our collective prayers here. You've said when two or three are gathered together, we've come aside here and we are gathering together. Lord, do as you have promised. Use our prayers to glorify yourself in every situation. We praise you and we love you. And we thank you for loving us. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. <laughs>